Hi everyone, Paulina here. Before we get into the special edition podcast, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that these conversations were recorded early May 2020 in the thick of the COVID-19 pandemic. Since then, a lot has transpired around us. While FWE and many in our community are taking time to consider and reflect on all that is happening, we know that the need to support you, women entrepreneurs, is essential. We hope this series allows you to rebuild with resilience and re-examination. Hello and welcome to The Go-To for Entrepreneurs in the Know Special Edition. My name is Paulina Cameron. I'm the CEO of the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs, a Canadian charity that energizes, educates, mentors, and connects women entrepreneurs to become wildly successful. I'll be your host for this special five-episode week-long program aimed at strengthening your and your business's resilience. I would like to acknowledge that the production of this podcast is taking place on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Coast Salish people, the Squamish, tsleil and Musqueam nations. Businesses globally are dealing with an unprecedented health and economic crisis. For some, the ability to pivot, connect, and keep running has meant fewer job losses and new, previously unforeseen opportunities. Whether it's a crisis brought on by forest fires, pandemics, or it's more personal in nature, perhaps a critical illness, or more every day, such as a new competitor with deep pockets. Resilience is a skill and a mindset that is essential for keeping afloat. This special edition will take you on a resilience journey. You will learn, challenge yourself and your ideas, and you will be empowered to make real changes in your business today so that you will be better prepared as a leader to handle the challenges of tomorrow. We're going to dive into considerations and tangible tools that will equip you in feeling ready, strong, and resilient. While we are recording and releasing this during the time of the COVID-19 pandemic, our intent is that this content will support you in being ready, resilient, and strong, no matter what comes your way. To support you through this learning, we've also made a special workbook available for you to download, containing exercises and templates so that you can apply your learnings straight away. Visit resilience.fwe.ca for your free workbook and information on other support to help you along. The GoTo Special Edition is brought to you by the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs in collaboration with the Scotiabank Women Initiative. Support is also generously provided by the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. A huge thank you to our supporters for making this possible. The special edition of The Go-To focuses on resilience, that quality that allows people and organizations to move through adversity and into optimism. Patrice Buzzanelli is a distinguished professor at the Brian Lamb School of Communication at Purdue University, and in her 2010 article, Resilience, Talking, Resisting, and Imagining New Normalcies, she argues that resilience is not an inherent characteristic, but that rather it is a skill that can be developed and sustained. She outlined five key processes that people can take to build resilience. Crafting normalcy, affirming identity anchors, maintaining and using communication networks, putting alternative logics to work, and downplaying negative feelings while foregrounding positive emotions. The great hope for everyone is that all of these involve shifts in mindset, something that all of us are capable of. In this first episode of the GoTo Special Edition, we will explore a resilient mindset, 
make the case for creative thinking, and give us considerations that will help us stay rooted in options. We will also hear about the traits and values that allowed an entrepreneur to turn her 700-person clothing production business into a seven-person team that manufactures medical face shields within a week. Grab a glass of water and let's get into it. Before we continue, I am so excited to invite you to a just-launched new digital space, the sharing platform hosted by FWE in partnership with the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. The sharing platform brings our community alive and closer together. It's a space for you to ask for what your business needs and to offer what you have to support others. This bilingual and national platform will allow you to connect with fellow entrepreneurs and supporters from across the country so that you can receive what you need to move your business forward and generously offer what you have back to the community. Visit our website, fwe.ca, to watch a quick how-to video and link to download it today. See you on there. Judy Brooks mentors CEOs, founders, partners, boards, and senior teams to bring clarity and leadership development in high transition times, mergers, acquisitions, and strategic changes. Judy is known for her ability to lead clear conversations that shift outcomes. Judy has founded, built, and successfully sold three companies over the last 30 years. She has a reputation for strategically building international businesses, fiscally responsible companies, dynamic teams, and meaningful brands and cultures. A well-known presenter and mentor in the business community, Judy leads immersive leadership retreats for intact teams, non-intact teams, boards, and influencer groups. She currently serves as the executive chair of Smart Suites and, selfishly, luckily for me, as the chair of the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs. She has also been recognized with numerous awards in the community and is dearly loved and respected by the many that she mentors and advises. Thank you, Judy, for joining us today to kick off our first episode of the special edition season focused on the mindset and practices to help us develop our resilience. Uh, Paulina, it's a, it's a pleasure to join and um, and always a pleasure to serve uh, FW in the community. It's uh, it's a community dear to my heart for sure. Mm. So let's dive in. Entrepreneurs are instinctively creative opportunity creators and are solution oriented. These instincts and states of flow can sometimes be challenged when circumstances beyond one's control seem to threaten everything that we know to be true and everything around us seems to be pulled out from underneath us. Today and over the course of the next five days, our intent is to be real and to understand and acknowledge what's happening in our bodies as we face turbulent times, and then to equip ourselves with considerations and tools to move forward into a place of options. So Judy, where do we begin? Yeah. I mean, uh, gosh, like you, Polly and I have spent the last, uh, you know, six, seven weeks on the phone a lot with, mm. um, with entrepreneurs, with business owners, with, um, CEOs of large companies and with individuals who are, are trying to sort not just their business, but their selves. Mm. And, you know, I know you've got some really great work coming up over the next few days, uh, with regards, a few sessions with regard to, um, practices of business. Mm. And while I might, I, I can never help but stay away from business when, when I'm talking with uh, entrepreneurs, I think, you know, what we're starting with is this idea of self. Mm-hmm. 
And really, the, the characteristics or the qualities you talked about when it comes to, um, to entrepreneurs are, are, are great and they're good. If we were going to peel away all the dressing of it, I think what we're really talking about is emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And if we look at where leadership's going, we recognize that these, these traits, these characteristics, these findings, these considerations around emotional intelligence are really um, now at the top of, of good leadership. They show mm-hmm. up in McKinsey, they show up in Harvard Business School. They, they're, they're talking about, hey, if we're going to lead others, we better start to understand ourselves. And so when I think of resilience, um, and at a time like this, and you know, you know, we've had this conversation, I'm so over the uns, <laughs> unprecedented, <laughs> uncertain, but in fact, oh, because hey, like, let's check it out. Every day is actually uncertain. Mm-hmm. We just fabricate certainty around it. We just fabricate certainty around it. So when I, when I look at this, I go, hey, how is it I'm showing up? Where's my awareness of self? And how might my actions, behaviors, and um, decisions be affecting others? So I think we need to start there. And, and if it's okay, you know, you've done this with me before, but I'd love to do a little practice for those that are listening, just so that we start mm-hmm. to have a little bit of an understanding of uh, neuroscience and an awareness of what we, where we might be going versus what might be helpful. Mm-hmm. So if, if people are in front of a pen and paper, that's amazing. And if they're not, um, they can follow my directions um, just verbally to themselves. So I'm going to walk through some numbers. If you're in front of a piece of paper, what I'd like you to do is write the numbers down and follow my directions. If you're not in front of a piece of paper, say them back, repeat the numbers back out loud, and then follow my directions in your head. So ready for numbers? Mm-hmm. Four, 98, 17, 81, 23, 75, 36, 66, 47, 50. Now write down or think aloud the first color that comes to mind. The first color that comes to mind. Ready for numbers again? Mm-hmm. 100, 89, 71, 18, 32, 57, 63, 66, 74, and 5. Now write down or think aloud or say aloud the first piece of furniture that comes to mind, the piece first, first piece of furniture. So we're going to stop there, and everyone's going to be thinking, what was that exercise about? <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to look at your color or think about the color that you said aloud, and is it green, blue, yellow, or red? And I know, so Paulina, what was yours? Mine was yellow. Yeah. So first of all, what do you think I was doing? What was I doing? What did you feel when I got you to write down the numbers? A little bit of maybe stress? A little bit of like, what's going on? You're going, what's happening? Okay, I'm just writing down numbers. What's going to happen next? Our mind goes to that. And maybe already trying to think of, maybe I need to remember one of these numbers. What do I like? Which one do I like? What do I do? Do I I have to add them up? (laughs) And and chances are between 80 and 100% of you said one of those yellow, green, red, blue. And that's because they're primary primary colors. 
They're the first colors we learn. Mm. And then when we go to the piece of furniture, if it was like a chair or whatever you call a couch, a settee, a couch, a sofa, a table, maybe a bed. Again, I'm probably going to have nailed what 80 to 100% of you said. And what did you say, Paulina? I said chair. And Judy, you want to know something funny? So we're recording this and we have our team here on the background and on Slack. I just got a message and they got blue and chair. (laughs) (laughs) There you go, blue and chair. And and again, it's because it's the first piece of furniture you you learn. These are the first, the most common. Um, And so your brain goes to what it knows. We have all those neurons in our brain, three trillion, doesn't matter. There's all sorts of, um, <laughs> of, uh, of numbers around that. It doesn't matter. We have those. And we start to create through um, our actions, behaviors, and our, um, the continuation of those. We start to get these deeply rutted neuropathways. Mm. And so we always, when we're under stress or tension, Without considering something different, chances are really, really good we're going to go to what we know. Mm-hmm. And the two things that I consider in that is, is that really what serves you right now? And during a time where we don't know now, we're trying to fall back onto something that we actually don't even know how to consider. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about resilience, resilience is really about getting up here, away from our amygdala, away from uh, going to what we know, and actually starting to consider things differently. So Mm -hmm. resiliency is about being up here, and you've heard these words before, above the leadership line. It's being in optimism, creativity, positivity. And whenever we have things that are happening in our life, or we're not paying attention to self and how we're showing up, we tend to go to what we know. And that's not always helpful for self or for others, in this case, business. So when I think of, when I look and hear and think of what's been happening around me Mm. and people that I feel like are really grappling in their business and, and doing a really good job of trying to figure out, they're up there. They're not going to what they know. They're up there in, um, options, in optimism. So options and optimism are all about choices, options, and more than two. So it's not just I do, I don't, I can, I can't. It's what else might I consider? That takes us into hope and belief and optimism. And, and that's, where, that's where I think we need to, to be in these times for both ourselves and, and for our business. Can you tell me an example of when you're in a business decision and you're mm-hmm. falling back on this, can you give us a, a business yeah, yeah. example? Well, can I give you some business examples of people that I just think I'm in absolutely inspired about in our business community? And, mm-hmm. I, and I ask permission for these. A um, couple of women and um, and a couple of guys, if you don't mind, because and, and there are our faves, their community favorites is, so, you know, what happened in the world happened in the world. <laughs> And as you know, you and I have talked about this so much, Pauline, anybody with a lease, I'm just like, oh, all Mm. businesses with a lease. I was like, holy man, Mm -hmm. because often business stopped and there we are with these expenses. So a juice truck, a Vancouver 
um, favorite community favorite. Juice quickly went to um, listening to what the world was saying they had to do, both guidelines and ethically and morally, and they started to pivot. Mm. And, and they started to say, where is it that we need to, to create options here as opposed to just going singularly to what we know? And the most recent thing they did, which I just loved, is they did a pop-up. They mm. did a two-day pop-up for people to come in and buy um, plant-based goods. So it meant they supported other local entrepreneurs as well as um, and did something a bit differently. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, it, it was very, very successful. So that was a really great example. And I've been on the phone, you know, pretty much every week with them. And I've been super inspired by the breadth of their thinking. They're not just mm-hmm. going back to, you know, their whole business model has been about opening stores and selling mm-hmm. through stores. You know, they do some wholesale, but that's really been their growth model. And, and that's not it right now. <laughs> so they're not, not even able to use the square footage they're paying for. So I mm-hmm. thought that was great. And another one, and, and this one just got me, is um, flightographer, Nicole mm-hmm. Smith, who also mm-hmm. happens to be on our board. Thank you, Nicole. But, you know, she's a travel business. So essentially what flightographer does is like they're the, like the Airbnb of um, photography. When you're traveling to somewhere um, else, they hook you up with a local photographer who takes these beautiful travel photos and shows you um, a piece of where you're at that you might not see. So the eyes through like a local lens. Well, she went from an amazing business Mm -hmm. to zero Mm -hmm. in a day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I got on the phone with Nicole, she did so many smart things. She looked at what was in front of her, the reality of what was in front of her, made the appropriate adjustments that she needed to do with kindness, care, and respect. And she said something to me that I got off the phone. I went, oh, this girl. Um, She said, you know, this might mean it's just me again. She had a team of 18. Mm. But I know by April, I can actually start to rebuild and leverage up again if it takes that long. And then she did some super cool things to keep her brand alive. She started making puzzles out Mm -hmm. of um, pictures and mugs and all that stuff. That was right, really about keeping the brand top of mind. And I was just, I, I got off the phone and thought, yeah. There we go. That's someone who's sitting in leadership. They're dealing with a reality of what is, Mm -hmm. but they're also staying in optimism, choices, belief, all of those things. And and in her own sense of, um, she had her own sense of independence in that. She she asked for, for help. She asked for guidance and then made her decisions that she's responsible for making. So I thought both of those were just, um, and, and there's so many more. I mean, I just love, I, I'm writing right now, I'm loving being on the phone with people and hearing how they're approaching what they do. So uh, I was on with a couple of other guys the other day and they said to me, you know, we're looking at our financials. I'm liking people to do financials, cash flow financials a year and a half out right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can make our best possible decisions. And they said, you know, do we take a growth mindset or a fear mindset? Mm. And I said, well, I think you're reading books <laughs> that tell you you have to choose one of those things. What I'm saying to you is sit in your reality and, and sit in positivity and optimism. And optimism requires for us to think about options more than two. So it's not just can, can't, but what else might I consider? And even in thinking about them, even if you, you're starting to 
right away consider, oh, this won't work. Don't do that. The practice is getting your brain to consider something more than it has before. That's the practice. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And you talked about identifying whether what you know or what you're going to, whether that is serving you. Mm-hmm. So if if someone is finding themselves in a place where they're able to root themselves in reality, but not mm-hmm. get to the next, mm-hmm. and they're trying to unpack, you know, I know maybe this isn't serving me, but I'm still here. How mm-hmm. can they shift right. that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, I do think that we've got a beautiful community, um, and lots of people here in Vancouver and actually across mm-hmm. Canada where people are really willing to support entrepreneurs. Um, and so I do think that most of us have the ability to pick up the phone. And sometimes when we're in our amygdala, when we're in our fear, we don't want to share because it's, mm-hmm. it feels bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember in the end, whatever the advice or the insight or observation you get, you are in control of making the decision. But I think that it's when you're, um, I think we all feel it in our body. It's that rigidity. So Mm. the, the clues that I listen for in myself are, um, an attachment to something. This is the way to do it as opposed Mm. to a curiosity and an open mind about going, huh, you know, you've been with me often enough. I love that idea of, um, of asking yourself, is that, is that the truth? Is that true? Mm-hmm. Or is that just something I'm, as a narrative I've created to support what I'm feeling? You know, that's, that's one of the things. Can you say that again? Yeah. Is it a, is that the truth? What I'm telling myself, is it the truth or is it a narrative I'm creating to just support my feeling? Mm. And, you know, it's funny because in entrepreneurship, we talk about intuition a lot. And, and it was, I was on the phone with somebody the other day. She said, well, my intuition tells me. And I said, here's the problem right now. You don't know if that's your intuition or not. <laughs> so you really have to do a little bit of data checking about that because in our intuition, what we think is our intuition can be wrong. So as much as I'm a feeler of gut and movement, we also have to go, oh, what is the data? We have to use all parts of our brain. And are you saying that because our intuition right now might be compromised when we're sitting up here in that amygdala feeling? Yeah. Yeah. When we're sitting in our amygdala or even um, in in amygdala, remember, it's like that fight, freeze um, thing is that you could be fighting something you shouldn't be fighting. It's not yours to fight and you could be freezing. You could Mm -hmm. be freezing. And like I said, or you could be going only to your intelligent brain and you not using your emotional intelligence or your wisdom or your experience. So it's this navigation. So the things that I watch for is, am I attached to something? Am I attached to that an absolute? Am I being binary Mm. in my thinking? I always look at that. Okay. The other thing is, and and why the frick am I attached to it? Who is it helping that I'm attached to that? I look at body signs like where my breathing has changed from deeper to in my chest where I'm getting antsy or angry or scratchy, um, all of those things. And, you know, here's the thing. We are going to screw up. We are going to get it wrong. And we can go back even in an interaction and apologize. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd love you to have a little think about in the last 24 hours, whether you've had a response or a reaction to something that you thought maybe wasn't helpful. Judy, I have kids. <laughs> that was like an hour and ago. It's the only reason I can ask that. Well, not only do you have, you have a partner and 
I'm pretty yeah, sure. That too. <laughs> yeah, that's that happens even at work. The number of times I've had to totally, um, totally. call back someone and say, I feel like I moved too quickly for through that. And I just want to check in. Mm-hmm. I've done that a lot in the last month. I, the other day, um, something happened and, and then, you know, something technical happened and I could feel my irritation. And I thought, oh, time for a walk. All of a sudden things feel monumentous. Mm. Little things feel, you know, like you can't, you know, and I've talked about this before you go to the grocery store and you can't figure out which freaking beans to buy. Mm. That's mm. a sign that you're probably tapped up. And if you're trying to make other decisions, you're probably not doing it in your best way. So it's totally. a time for a break. You know, and I know Steve Rio um, in a couple of days, we'll talk about working from home and I know we'll talk about the importance of taking space and time and um, and that's what I'm saying is create some space between the stimulus and the response. Create some space between the stimulus and the response. Whether it's time space or actually consideration space, take yourself off task for a second so that you consider before you go back on task instead of just plowing away at the same thing over and over and over. That quote that you just started there is that beautiful Victor Frankl quote of, I think I have it written down here. So between Mm -hmm. stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. So if someone is finding themselves with very little bandwidth of space, (laughs) perhaps they are seeing and observing themselves uh, being quick to move into that response and a response that perhaps they don't uh, want to be in. Noticing the physical body is one, noticing that breath, that movement, what else? How else can they identify that they are in it? Yeah. Um, and uh, and what are the first things they can do once they observe that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think let's just even change. It's usually reaction. Mm. And a reaction would be, mm. like I said, kind of going to what you know. And a response is that idea of I'm going to sit in in um, the wide uh, breadth and curiosity. So when you lose your curiosity, when you're not asking questions back, when you're not asking questions of yourself, that's usually like I'm on the track of just trying to solve I'm just mm-hmm. trying to solve. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and then my question is, is that the best thing right now? So the body responses are where you're tightening or shortening of breath. Um, almost without exception, you start talking too much. Like mm-hmm. I always say, just answer the freaking question and then ask someone if they need more context. As soon as you're like already giving context before um, someone is even asked for something, it's usually a sign to me that somebody's um, either going to what they know, trying to solve too quickly or a bit mm-hmm. in amygdala. They're trying to, um, you know, they're, they're either, um, they're, there's some fear behind it, mm-hmm. some, or whether the fear is true or not, you know, it's, uh, yeah, so that sort of stuff. And, and people's reactions. If people around you, if you're in a, um, you know, interpersonal relationship, whether it's Zoom or other, and people aren't, you can't see body language mm. that shows that there feels um, some degree of safety in that. And safety is just mm. like, I don't feel not safe, like I am unsafe, I'm going to be harmed, but I don't feel safe to say anything because someone's already on the draft. That's a, you know, and we've all sat in a room or with somebody where we're talking and you see them literally close down or mm. look like a deer in a headlight because we're moving too quickly. 
Mm-hmm. We're taking mm-hmm. up so much space. So, you know, it's that like, why do I even, sometimes you just listen. Sometimes it's just like, have I spent enough time listening today instead of talking? So those mm-hmm. sort of things, you know, are, and the attachment to something is something you have to ask yourself. Am I attached to this? So when I sit in a board meeting and someone says something, I'll often say, hmm, are you attached to that? So if it's unethical or immoral, freaking be attached to it. But everything else is sort of an opinion and there's room to consider other things. Hmm. Can you tell me that line between being unattached and really Mm -hmm. owning a decision? Yeah. And leading from that place. Can you talk about that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think attachment looks like there's probably some, um, the driver behind it might be validation or acknowledgement often Mm -hmm. being right. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, as a leader, when you stand behind a decision, you start first with curiosity you um, then are, you sit in discernment, not judgment, in discernment. Mm-hmm. And then often you have to come forward to those around you and say, I've listened. Thank you. And appreciate it. And it is my responsibility and accountability to make a decision moving forward. And this is the decision I've made. And if it's the wrong one, it's mine to, to bear. Mm-hmm. So, your um your your there's some acknowledgement there's some first of all curiosity there's mm-hmm. listening so there's lots of stages to that before you decision make you know there is even as a parent it might mm-hmm. happen in a nanosecond but if you're constantly making a decision for your you know sure you have to do it for your two month old but you know what that's like when it's your four-year-old. <laughs> it's not the Good same. luck. Because, yeah, you're actually trying to nurture this idea of them being able to bring forth their own thoughts and opinions, their own independence. You're nurturing independence. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you're shutting those things down around you, then it's a really it's usually a, a good indication that you're you're not in your own awareness. You're not in mm. your own awareness. And you use the words there discernment versus judgment. That feels like an important distinction to you. Yeah, it's real. I think it's super important. Um, that that judgment is often again goes to binary, goes mm-hmm. to attachment. It's that somebody is right or wrong, as opposed to saying, "Hmm, I've listened to what you said, and here now is my choice or decision." Can you feel like the difference mm-hmm. in the energy of even those words? Mm-hmm. And when you're in um, in business. Those can um, those can make a big difference between leading a team and even in um, other relationships besides team relationships. You know, and you, gosh, I, I always feel like when we're talking, you've heard me say all these things so many times. So I'm so sorry, but it, <laughs> you know that idea that in in relationship, we're hundred percent responsible for the communication that we give around whatever you want to define that. For me, it's around being respectful and kind and clear and brief. So someone's brain has the ability to take in the information, Mm -hmm. but not trying to manipulate the outcome, allowing the other person to have the feeling that they have and the response they have and not getting attached to that. Which is so hard to not try to. I don't want them to feel uh, upset or frustrated or mad. So then I don't have to feel badly. What if you just allowed everyone 
their own responsibility for their feelings. As long as you knew that you went forward in kindness and respect and clarity and transparency. What about that? You know, this makes me think of this concept that I've learned from you, which is I care and I do not mind. Can you tell us when you say it, what this means and uh, how do, uh, how can we apply it? How do you apply it? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's a practice for myself of not being attached. Mm -hmm. And the caring is my, my heart cares. I care deeply about people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, when you've had, you know, I've been lucky enough to have a few businesses of my own Mm -hmm. in the last 12 years, haven't owned one. And I then have had the huge privilege of working with others um, in their business or beside them in their business or, you know, getting insight into their business. And when you've done something a couple of times, I have opinions (laughs) of the way things should or shouldn't be done, but they're mine. And if I didn't sit in the idea that maybe there's a different way, I would be not serving others well. And, you know, I get, mm. again, you, you know, this is, um, I get the, this privilege of being around a lot of younger entrepreneurs and you mm. talk about smart suites. Mm-hmm. If my attachment to what I believe to be true when I, you know, in, in early days when I was working with Tara, the CEO, before we got this bigger, lovely team around us is that, um, there was a lot of things Tara thought could happen that, Really, if you look at experience, business experience, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. But the fact is they did and she did it. <laughs> so if I stood in my <laughs> attachment of what was right, wrong, um, not ethically, but you know what worked or didn't work, it wouldn't be the company it is now. And so I really had to learn how to care for her, how to care for the company, but not be attached to my own thoughts or feelings or even experience so that that idea in there is for me to take my experience and be able to sit in it with her instead of just download it to her. And, mm-hmm. you know, because she's got um, her, her own mind and now she's got this team. And so in that way, I hope that what I achieve is saying, hmm, hmm that may or may not work. You hear me say things like that all the mm-hmm. time. I try not to stay with the attachment of that will not work. Because how do I really know? How do I really know? Mm-hmm. If, it, if that was the truth, then we would know that there should be no gummy bear company because what 22-year-old starts in her kitchen and starts a you know international or national gummy bear company? They don't. So that, that idea, attachment to your own thought. Mm-hmm. And so the care is, I care deeply, but I don't mind if you do it this way or you do it that way. I am not going to attach to my idea of how this should be done, how this should be thought about what you should feel. But Mm -hmm. I do care about what happens. And so how do we sit in that? And I think that often um, we we show up for ourselves Mm -hmm. and others. How are we serving? How are we serving right now? Okay, Judy, the last question I have for you today yeah. is what does having a resilient mindset mean for you and how do you actively foster it for yourself? Mm, I feel like, um, you know, I'm being repetitive, but it is about uh, optimism. And optimism is the biggest driver of well-being. And, you know, I've been asked this often, um, 
First of all, I believe that you can sit in two emotions at once. I feel like I can be in, in deep pain and incredible happiness at once. So I'm not trying to be binary about those things. And so that serves me really well. And you, uh, I, I do mind me, I got to talk about my little mom because I talk about mm. Granny Josie a lot. So Granny Josie, Granny Josie, Granny Josie, the most optimistic British, you know, British, everything's hello, my <laughs> darling, this optimistic, optimistic person who, you know, as she went in, as she got older and, and had this horrible, horrible um, post-polio rheumatoid arthritis and things got taken away from her, her ability, things were taken away, not mm -hmm. from her, but things got taken away in her life, her ability to walk, her ability, all these things she loved doing. She was a yoga instructor. She just kept finding new things to create connection and beauty for herself. Mm. And I, I, so I feel like I was lucky that I was given that role modeling early on. Mm. Um, and in optimism is also inherently gratitude. Mm -hmm. Like I was thinking about why is it that I don't have to think about gratitude a lot? I, I mm. think inherent in optimism is gratitude. And mm. that idea of um, well-being means that there is always a way, there's always a different way going forward. You can see something different about to mm. emerge. And so like I said about a feeling, optimism or hopefulness or well-being says, I feel this way today and it's not great. And I have a knowing, an inner knowing that tomorrow will be different. And I can create that mm -hmm. to myself, for myself, from everything from going for a walk in nature to talking to a friend, to even watching Netflix. Everyone's saying, I'm watching Netflix too much. If Netflix gives you some sense of joy in the moment, then you know what? Great. Why not? So it's that idea of fostering something different than what you're feeling in the moment and non-attachment to it. So resilience for me means the ability to be hopeful. Mm. And how I, be, how I am hopeful is to sit in options and options create optimism. And, um, and that just creates joy for me. Mm. Because now I do have the power to choose. I have the power to choose, not power over power of self. Hmm. Thank you, Judy, for bringing us into a space of optimism and for giving us guidance on how we might get to considerations and options for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Pauline. And I know everyone's going to get lots of tips um, over the, the course of the, the series um, but I have never been um, more proud of this entrepreneurial community uh, across Canada. I've never been more proud to be a Canadian, and I've definitely been mm. never been prouder to be from BC. And um, as always, um, love the FW team and, and what we're able to do as an organization. So thank you. Judy, for those who want to find you online, learn more, where, where do you live? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a hard one for me because I'm pretty underground, but LinkedIn, 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 please. There we go. Yeah, there we thank go. you. Thank, thank you. you, Judy. Okay, lots of love to you today. You too. Bye. Bye. The Scotiabank Women Initiative is thrilled to be teaming up again with FWE and sponsoring the special edition of The Go-To. The Scotiabank Women Initiative is a program created to support women entrepreneurs through all the stages of their business. 
One way we're doing this is by providing education through our online knowledge center. Here, you'll find several learning aids, tools, and resources that women can complete or share to help their businesses move in the right direction. You'll also find a robust research study where we surveyed 1,000 small business owners about their financial knowledge and financial confidence. Haven't yet heard season one of The Go-To? Check out all 13 episodes on popular business-related topics ranging from budgeting to branding and more. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Then find us at scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Montreal-based Lily Fortin manages one of Canada's leading apparel companies, Tristan. Her passion for equestrian sport and competition has brought her to win silver medals and compete professionally across the nation. After studying international trade in 2004, she joined her family business full-time and took over the U.S. division. Not long after, she completed an MBA at NCAD in campuses in France and Singapore, all while building strong relationships with multinational companies to bring home with her. In 2017, Lily took over her father's position as president of Tristan and has been leading the growing business since. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lily. So excited that you are with us. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) Okay, Lily, so you went from a team of 700 that was supplying clothes for 40 stores and countless online customers to a team of seven including yourself, manufacturing Health Canada approved face shields and more within the span of about a week. That's wild. Can you tell us how that happened and what what you're thinking, what your thoughts were along the way? Not sure I even had time to think, but uh, (laughs) everything happened so quickly. Uh, Yes, we went from operating uh, retail stores and and running an online business, which we still do. I mean, we're obviously not operating retail stores at the the exact moment. We can't wait for the stores to reopen. But um, Mm. yeah, so one day we um, there's a hard shutdown on all the stores. So unfortunately, we have to lay off um, yeah 700 employees, Mm. and. and the next day, I get a, a phone call from a friend of mine who works in the healthcare system. She owns clinics. And she says, can you guys manufacture face shields? Where There's a huge need for that right now. And at that point, I'm just thinking that huge need is for her. So um, mm. I just go, I Google face shields for medical use, not knowing what she was <laughs> talking about. And I find a few pictures and I send them to our um, client manager. Uh, the 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 factory was still in operation because it was an essential service because okay. we were we were manufacturing right. clothes, but also uniforms for the RCMP for the um, mm. the Sûreté du Québec, the police officers. So we were considered a um, uh, essential service. So it was still in operation. So I, mm-hmm. I forward these uh, pictures that I found on the internet to, um, to him. Um, and with his engineer and just himself, the next day, which is a Saturday, he sends me a picture of the, um, a 3D, a 3D picture, a prototype. And he's like, yes, our machines can cut through plastic because we normally cut fabric. And he's like, yes, it works. So we're uh, we're Saturday. So uh, I go through my network and I'm like, okay, we need to find the raw material because they're not suppliers we typically work with. And uh, because the only um, 
thing that I know is that there's a huge need. Mm. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's try to help. Let's see what we can do. So uh, we go through a network I'm I'm, I'm having breakfast with my parents and I'm like, okay, we need to find a plastic supplier. Any ideas? <laughs> um, so, so we go through our network and we, we make a few phone calls because we know that Monday morning, the person we're going to call has to be the right person who can mm-hmm. give us some, um, some information on availability of, of raw materials. So, so we make a few phone calls. Um, uh, my father calls a friend of his who, uh, who, um, who distributes lettuce. And lettuce. the packaging, yeah, the packaging of his lettuce is in is in plastic containers. Oh. So we call him. He's like, "Oh, this is my supplier." And like, "Oh, I know the owner." Okay, I call my uncle, who I know uh, knows the owner. So I'm like, "Okay, you need to give me the right person at your factory or at your warehouse who will right away Monday morning first thing will be able to tell me if you have what I need available in stock." So I we get the phone. So I get the phone numbers Monday morning. First thing I call them. Uh, I order the raw material because it happened that uh, we were we found the right people. Mm-hmm. So we placed the order Monday morning. So I gave a green light to our factory, and I was like, "Okay, get ready. We're going to start producing face shields." Wow! How many? I don't know, but we're just going to start producing face shields. So they organized the um, the factory or they reorganized the factory mm-hmm. or part of the factory. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ordered the raw material uh, while I was working with the government to get, well, ideally a, a purchase order, like mm-hmm. a, a PO um, and an approval from Health Canada. Because mm-hmm. to me, it's, an, it's, an, it's in our DNA to, when we do something, we have to do it well. I wasn't just mm-hmm. going to make something not knowing what I was getting into. So I wanted to make sure that the product we were offering you know, met all the requirements, especially for the healthcare system. Mm-hmm, you want to mm-hmm. make sure that they're protected. You don't want to disservice them. Mm-hmm. They're on the front line. So we had a lot of respect for what they were doing. So it was really important for me to make sure that our product was, was good. So, uh, Saturday, the, the next Saturday, so five days later at night, one, I, I'll, I'll remember because I was on my phone waiting for that one twenty AM. I get the approval from health Canada. Wow, uh, the license and the uh, the everything that we need to manufacture and sell medical products. Mm-hmm. Um, so that brings so that's one twenty a.m. Saturday. <laughs> so I call the factory. I'm like, get ready. Uh, by then, we had received all the raw material. The production line was ready at the factory. So Monday morning, we start our official production, and wow. Monday night we ship our first face shields to the first hospital Monday uh, night, Monday night. And we, one, we shipped uh, for, to one hospital and, um, uh, three doctors. So we actually delivered the box to their homes. It sounds like you really have this attitude of what can we do to help? How can we do this really quickly, efficiently, but also do it the right way. So I mean, what kind of values do you think really influenced the way you responded to this emergency? Uh, a lot of people ask me, but we don't, we didn't even think about it. It was just someone needs help. Mm-hmm. We have the, <coughs> excuse me, we have the, the, the resources to help. Mm-hmm. So it was just 
our instinct guide us through not even asking ourselves questions. Let's try to see if we can help, if we can do it. And the only reason why we were able to help, other than just our willingness to help, was the fact that we owned plants in Quebec, in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, hadn't we not had these these facilities, we wouldn't have been able to, to, to help in the way that we did. Uh, so over the years, we've invested so much in keeping local production alive when all retailers mm. were, were, um, were pretty much going over in Asia, relying on Asia mm-hmm. or other, other, um, other places for manufacturing. Uh, but we've all, for us, it was always important to keep some local production here because we knew that if we lose the expertise or the know-how, it, it, it's gonna, it would be really, really hard to get back, to bring back here. So over the year, we've invested a lot and we believe in local production. Not 100%. We can't do it all here. But it's mm-hmm. always been uh, deep in our values to at least you know, contribute to the local economy and, and make sure we keep the know-how here. I mean, that's so tremendous because there's also cost that comes with us. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who perhaps start local and then face having to go outside of the country because of that. But it's interesting that you've been able to uh, like offset a little bit of that by kind of hedging it, doing some local Mm -hmm. and some external. Can you tell us how that kind of unfolded and how that works for you? Well, the cost component is definitely, definitely, uh, I mean, the important component because it is more costly Mm -hmm. to produce here. Uh, But at the same time, when situation like the one we're living right now happens, and this is a, a little bit dramatic and it's a bit extreme, but the value of having some kind of independence has, mm. you know, it, it kind of compensate for that cost. And uh, the expertise or the, the know-how that we've been able to develop in one product in particular, because we, we don't produce all of our products here. We, we manufacture mainly our suits, um, tailored suits here. So we've been able to push it so much further because we control the production uh, in terms of mm. quality. Uh, that for us, it was worth the investment. Do you think there are other, um, there are other either values or lessons that you think you could share with entrepreneurs that they can think about how to instill that kind of sense of resilience into their business and how, you know, you were able to do things so quickly. What contributed to you being able to do that? Well, thank you. I mean, resilience is definitely a key, uh, but also just keeping an open, uh, open mind to different uh, situations or opportunities that arise. Um, because when you have that, usually your team also has that. Uh, well, for mm. my, for, for, in my opinion, what I think, um, because you can't do this all by yourself. It's just impossible. And you mentioned we were seven people, but still it, it was not, it was not just me. <laughs> Mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. it, it was also, you know, the, the workers at the factory, uh, which wouldn't have not been able to do if without them. Uh, and if they, if they didn't have or didn't share our values or our mindset or the company culture, I don't know if we would have gotten the same response or the same um, engagement from them. So I think it's a, it, you know, we have deep company values. Um, the company was started by my parents 40 over 45 years ago. So it's, it's something that we've cultivated over the years and that with me now or with the new generation or with my, my, um, 
the next generation with us taking over now, there's what, I mean, we are changing a lot of things where we have to become more and more agile because the, mm. the context uh, of retail or, or, or even the medical now has changed so much over the years. Um, things are, are moving quickly. Uh, so we're, you know, we're working on our agility or on, on a lot of different things. But something that doesn't change is the values and the company culture. And, and, and this, is, this was key in this situation because when we talked about this new projects, people were in right away. They were all in right away. Mm. So there was some mm. kind of trust mm. and some kind of, you know, let's do this. There was not one moment where we said, "Oh my God, retail is just free falling." I mean, we're lo- I mean, what's going to happen? It was just okay. There's, there's, we can do something really great with this really unfortunate situation. So let's do it. How can we help? Let's do it. There's some good that came out of this. <laughs> you made the you made the good come out mm-hmm. for sure. And you know, when you were talking earlier about how you brought this all to life, you also talked about going out to your network and to your community and just asking for either help or putting the questions out there or saying, we need this, who's got this? <laughs> and that that resourcefulness, I mean, I think it's a trait and a quality that a lot of entrepreneurs share. And I think it can sometimes be easy to feel like we can't ask for help or that, you know, you have to have all the answers or figure it out all on your own. Yes. What would you say about that? Well, the value of the network was probably what, you know, what showed to be the most valuable in this situation uh, because um, it just, speed, it, it allowed us to speed things up like like to, to a, to a level that we would have been able to achieve had we not had the right contacts. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really, really what made us uh, do this so quickly. Um, so I, I, it's something, and you know, I, when we build our network, you don't know how you're going to need it. It's just, you mm-hmm. know, you build good relationships and this situation made it pretty easy to ask for anything because people were like, Oh, how mm. can I help? Yes. You know, so people were very, um, open my, I mean, very open to helping out because they knew that it wasn't for our business or it wasn't for, it was for, for people who really needed it on the front line of the healthcare system. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, it, people were very, uh, very open to help and to, 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 to give other contacts also which I'm not, you yeah. never know when you, yeah. you never know when you need the lettuce man. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The last question I have for you today, Lily, is what does having a resilient mindset mean for you and how do you actively foster it for yourself? I, I think I started uh, developing resilience at a very early age, uh, doing high level competitions and just, you know, you win, you lose, you get hurt. You fall, you get up. Um, I mean, not getting up was never an option, or not going back mm. in the competition ring was never an option, um, injury or not, or uh, or you know, uh, pra- you know, it was just always trying to go higher, reach higher goals, and 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 sometimes, I mean, just now, my trainer told me that you know, a lot of times he entered me in competitions he knew I had no chance of winning just to work on the mind, you know, you can't mm. win them all. And uh, you got to set higher goals mm. for yourself and you can't let a loss or, or losing 
discourage you. It's supposed to motivate you. Mm -hmm. And I think he's tried to um, coach me or to train me that way from, from, from when I was very early, very younger, very young. Uh, and and mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that I've learned in in the training or, or the competition aspect of my life that I apply now in business. And uh, you know, unfortunately, success or, or doesn't come easily, or it's not free. You have to work hard for it. And uh, yes, sometimes timing, luck happens, but. I've never relied only on that because I just know mm. that the value of hard work. So I, I try, we try and it's not easy. And, uh, but, but just never giving up and, and just, and just not, I mean, yeah, you can have one day where you're feeling a bit down, but uh, the next morning I never have this negativity again. It's always like, okay, no, let's move on. Let's, let's see what we can do better or let's see what we can do to forget about what happened and learn from our mistakes and just and just move on and try to make it better. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lily, for joining us today. I am incredibly amazed and in awe of how you've been able to uh, really turn around your business and the situation you found yourself in to into something that has been so valuable and so helpful for what is needed right now. And thank you for sharing with us the story behind that, your mindset and how you've fostered resilience within yourself and your business to do so. For those who want to learn more about you and find you, where can they do so online? Well, uh, on me, I don't know, but for sure on Tristan, on our website, tristanstyle.com, we still do online orders. On me, I have a very, uh, well, it's it should be on my to-do list to update my LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you so much, Lily. Thank you. Thank you so much, Judy and Lily, for joining us today. Share your own experiences or ask questions. Tweet or tag us at FWE Canada. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe so that you'll always be in the know. All of this program's episodes are available at fwe.ca slash the goto. And don't forget to download your free workbook at resilience.fwe.ca. Get exercises and more so that you can apply your learnings to your business today. The GoTo Special Edition is brought to you by the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs in collaboration with the Scotiabank Women Initiative. Support is also generously provided by the Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub. A huge thanks to both of them. Thank you also to our incredible production team, Self-Hired Media and Hummingbird Translations, both of whom make it possible for us to bring you this podcast in English and in French. Until next time, stay ready, resilient and strong.